We are in Acts chapter 10. We studied about Paul, now we're going to, Luke is going to tell us what's going on with Peter. And as we look at Peter's life, we're going to be introduced in this series through a story of how heaven comes down and interacts with people. Heaven is interacting with us. You can miss it if you're paying attention to everything that's, that's around you that's distracting. We can miss it easily. You've got to have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Lord is doing and saying. In this encounter, Luke is going to introduce us to some characters. And as he's introducing us to these different people, we're going to see, again, as I have said, an intermingling between heaven and earth, which goes on daily, but we miss it quite often. So let's, let's start here. Uh, Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, we're introduced to this fellow, a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. So he was part of the Roman Empire and uh, part of the Italian cohort of a regiment of men. But it says this, he was a devout man who feared Yahweh. He feared the Jewish God. And with all his household, so he expected his household, he had trained them, discipled them in the ways of Jehovah God. He gave alms generously to the people and he prayed continually to God. Two things, prayed a lot and gave a lot. You're supposed to put your money where your mouth is, right? We're supposed to give to people who are in need. We're supposed to care. You know, we're, we're hoarding up as much finance as we can, but God's looking for faithful givers. And people who pray and then give, many times what is a burden for you in prayer, God wants you to minister out into it, right? If you're praying for someone sick, not only pray for their to be healthy, but why don't you deliver some food over to their house? Do you see what I mean? I mean, let's back up what we're praying for. We want God to do everything, and he's asking you to participate. So he prayed continually and was generous in giving his alms and finances. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Huh. God's paying attention to our prayers and to the way we live out our lives. Stewards of the grace of God. So that's what showed up in heaven on his account. God needed to use this man to open the gospel to the Gentiles. And he needed to use this man to open up Peter's eyes for the gospel to go to the Gentiles, didn't he? But here we see heaven coming to earth now. We see an interaction. This man's praying. He's ministering to people around him in the name of Jehovah God or Yahweh. And, and he's praying to Jehovah. And he's acting out in the love and grace of God. And an angel, a messenger of the Lord, comes for a visitation. God wants to talk to him. Needs his attention. He says, what, Lord? And he says, I've heard you. What you do and how you act has come before me. The fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Again, we've got to 
we've got to act if we believe in Jesus Christ, we need to live for Jesus Christ. Amen? And when we pray because you are living for Christ, because you're giving in Christ's name, interceding in Christ's name, we can avail much. And so the Lord says, Now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. By the way, you know, we say, well, Simon is the same name as Peter. But that wasn't some translation. It wasn't like a Greek translation to the Hebrew name Simon. It was a name that Jesus gave to Simon. What I'm trying to make the point is that every Hebrew guy named Simon didn't have the nickname Peter. Peter had a unique name given to him by Jesus. Peter means a rock, right? And he says, there's a guy named Simon, that's his given name, but he goes by Peter, and uh, that's what Jesus called him. And he said he's down uh, by Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel spoke to him and had departed, he called two of his servants and a a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having relayed everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The centurion is having an interaction with heaven. And Peter is at, now we're introduced to another guy, Simon the Tanner. How many of you know what a tanner does? This isn't like, you know, Bahama Breeze where you go tanning. This is, what's a tanner? does hides, animal hides, okay? I don't know if you've ever seen any documentaries or HBO specials on tanners and what they do, but it's horribly offensive and smelly. They have big vats of acids and animal skins all in these vats uh, decomposing. So it smells like rotten flesh. And Simon is a Jew, But where's his house located, the angel said? Outside by the seaside, yeah. Because you don't want these guys near town. You just don't. They stink. And many times they were outcasts or unclean ceremonially because of the work that they did. They touched dead animals. You getting it? So in the law and the Mosaic law and in Hebrew culture, if you touch dead animals, you are ceremonially unclean. It doesn't mean you're a sinner. For someone to be ceremonially unclean doesn't mean that they are bad people or sinners. It means that they need to go through a cleansing before they can enter into the temple worship. They've either touched something unclean, okay, and they're not prepared. They need to be clean. Do you touch unclean things from time to time? Yeah, we do, don't we? Sometimes we can get so, in, in, and it's not by, it may not be by sin. It just can be that I, I'm just overwhelmed with the filth of this world. I need, I need to set my heart right to God. Because I'm just unclean in my thoughts and my ways. I can be jealous over things. I can have attitudes. I can have hatred in my heart. I can have bitterness and so forth, right? And it may not even be to a place where I'm sinning, but it can be a place where it's just, it's 
unclean. I need to get my heart right with God. I'm not saying this guy was unclean. It's just a visual here. So here he is. But what does that say about Peter? What progress have we made with Peter? Peter came down and he saw that God is saving uh, Samaritans now. So now he's going to go to some of the other people that are unclean. What a risk. Ooh, good for you, Peter. Peter's taken a step out into the realms of, of the people that other people forsake. What if we were a church that went after people that other people didn't care about? Why don't we go where Jesus would go? Would Jesus go to those who are unclean? Yeah, yeah. Can we share the grace of God to the homosexual community? Can we share the grace of God to, let's say, the, uh, 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 what's, what's that one group? They, they started burning down Seattle. What's Antifa, can we minister to Antifa? Can we share the gospel? We should be sharing the gospel with anybody, right? So Peter's taking that risk. And I, the thing I love about Jesus is he sees that faithful risk that you took one step He's already planned on you taking 10 more in. (laughs) Because look what happens. Here he is. The next day, as they're on their way, journeying and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop. Whose housetop? Simon Simon the Tanner's housetop. Now we're at the sixth hour, right? Earlier in the morning, we're at the ninth hour. Now we're on the next day, we're at the the sixth hour, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. So while they were preparing it, he's up on the roof, and he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens open, and something like a great sheet descended, being let down by the four corners upon the earth. Was this uh, a literal sheet, or were all those animals literally hanging in the sky in a sheet? No, it says he had a vision, right? So he had a vision. The vision is there's all these animals in in a sheet descending down to him. And what's what's the main thing on his mind? Food. I'm hungry. I am really hungry. God speaks to his need. In, In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. Huh. And there came a voice to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, No way, Lord. No, I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Okay, that's a correct translation too. Common meaning that it's not set apart in the law as holy and uh, it's unclean. You shouldn't be eating it according to the Levitical law. And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, because I'm thinking he said no way. Again. Seems like three times with Peter is the number, isn't it? (laughs) How many times does it take to get through to Peter? Uh, And the thing was taken up again into heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed, again, heaven came down. You know what? We're all comfortable, like if God says, go do this, it's like, sure, I could do that. Or go do this. What if God brings a revelation to us 
that we are just perplexed. It's like, what does this mean? I want something that is so awesome, I can't figure it out. How about you? I want something that scares me to death. You know what I mean? Aren't you tired of the mundane? Aren't you tired of the religious? Aren't you tired of knowing the, the Sunday school answers to everything? I want something that is just going to blow my mind in Jesus. You know why I want something like that? Because he's saying you're ready for it. Get ready, it's coming. This is Peter. He doesn't understand what's going on. I'm perplexed. I'm trying to figure out. When heaven touches earth, it is not earthly anymore. It's from the heavenly realm. It's beyond what you could ask or even imagine. The reason you and I are here on a Wednesday night is because you had an experience that blew your mind. And you want it again. You had an experience in Jesus that is making you hungry for more. That's what I want. I want more. I want deeper. I want greater challenge. I don't want the same old church. And Peter's like, what's going on? He's perplexed. Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, now stood at the gate. Talk about perfect timing. Right? He's sitting there going, what just happened? Did I hear right? Kill and eat a pig? Kill and eat a serpent? Kill and eat shellfish? Kill and eat everything that all my life I have been told is unclean and wrong for me to eat. God's saying, don't call it unclean anymore. Why? How could this be? Who's at the door? And they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was living there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Get up and go down and accompany them without hesitation because I sent them. Oh, don't think twice. Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What's the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright, God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you and to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them to be his guests. Heaven's touching earth again. The right timing, the right movement, giving voice messages, giving picture messages. God is collaborating between heaven and earth and making all this stuff happen. Has, has anybody ever experienced these kind of things? Where it's more than a circumstance. It's more that just happened to be the right timing. It was God's timing. Right? And so that he invites them in to be guests. The next day he rose up and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea... Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. Now this is typical. When you've got someone of honor coming, you invite everybody out. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. And Peter lifted him up and said, dude, stand up. I'm just a guy. I'm just a man. 
and he talked with them, and he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. What is Peter's conclusion that that sheet filled with clean and unclean animals meant? What did it mean? So let me ask you a question. What made all those animals that were unclean now clean? Yeah, the cross, right? He redeemed all of creation. Right, sin had tainted the whole world. But he did separate clean and unclean animals, didn't he? For Israel, so that Israel would be a unique nation. These are called purity laws. They were laws for the purity of Israel. Now, some people go in and they say, well, the animals that you're not supposed to eat aren't good for you anyways. And so God was doing that for Israel. And that's not necessarily the case. Because some of these are arbitrary. Some of them, it's like, why this and not that? And most theologians who understand and read the purity laws saying that it is basically this. Don't eat this, you can eat that for one reason. I need you to be separate from all other nations. That's the, that's the biggest key. That some animals were unclean, uh, not because of this or that, but because God said so. And you have to obey the laws of God. So they couldn't eat those certain things. Now, because of the blood of Jesus, he has made everything clean because the law has become obsolete. Because now the gospel's going into all nations. Instead of making all nations Jewish, he's receiving all nations and whatever they eat and whatever their customs are. He's bringing them in as long as they're not a violation of what are moral laws. You see the difference between dietary laws and moral laws, right? There is, how many of you know what uh, Hebrew Roots Movement, uh, Christianity, the Hebrew Roots, they're, they're uh, Christians who, who want to take the history of Christianity deep into the Old Testament, which I am for 100%, that's exactly right. Salvation came from the Jews. But they go all the way back into the law and say, we need to obey the law and follow the law because God gave it. And what they say about this incident is this, that when the clean and unclean animals came down, God said to Peter, kill and eat. Peter resisted properly as a Jew because God wasn't asking him to kill and eat the unclean animals, but to kill and eat the clean animals that were there. Can you read that into that? That makes no sense, does it? Because how does that then become an analogy to Gentiles who were unclean? And he says, kill and what? Eat everything in that, that sheet. It, the, the whole point is that they were unclean. And then when you look at Scripture, let me read you a few Scriptures. Colossians 2.16 Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink 
or with regard to festivals or new moons or Sabbaths. They're gone. The writer of Hebrews says, speaking a new covenant because the old one has become complete and what is becoming obsolete is growing old and vanishing away. Christ fulfilled everything in the Old Testament that was a shadow or portrait of him. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Mark 7, 18 and 19, and Jesus said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside can't defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and it is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. So this goes hand in hand with the gospel being open to all nations so that all could be saved. And that's why he's breaking it open through those dietary laws, showing Peter, I've called everything clean now. Go get it. Go to the nations. All right? Now again, you see, this was pretty tough for Peter. This, the, he's got to instruct Peter so that Peter can come back to the council at Jerusalem and instruct the rest of Christianity who right now is wrestling with who can be saved, who shouldn't be saved, right? Aren't we moving off this gospel into the whole world, okay? All right, so now we've got to have angels, encounters, visions, and divine appointments for something this big. I'm believing that at this hour in the United States for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, We need angel visitations, visions, word from the Lord, divine appointments. Do you believe we're at a place where we need that? Amen. So we got to press in. We've got to press in. We've got to look for the new move of God. Not that it's going to be new from Scripture, but new to what we've been doing as a church. We can't sustain anymore at a Sunday go-to-meeting church. We've got to have a Holy Ghost-empowered people who have visions and interact with angels and hear from heaven, and heaven touches earth. Amen? Amen. So let's see what happens. Verse 30. We've got one more character to reveal here. And Cornelius said, four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house in the ninth hour, and I'll... Behold, a man stood in bright clothing and said, let me me just make a point. This is an interesting point. You know what? We always see angels with wings. Do you know that every appearance of an angel uh, that shows up doesn't have wings? (laughs) The only angels that have wings are are the seraphim and the cherubim. We're always looking at angels. They don't have any wings. Anyways, okay. Uh, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa. We know all this. Ask Simon and Peter to come. I sent for you. You're here. This is cool. It happened. Verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. Ooh, good going, Peter. 
But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And for the word that he has sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus the Messiah, who is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day, made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What did Peter just do? Preached the gospel. I think that's where we'll see results. That's where we'll see God move. That's where we'll see things happen. If we would preach the gospel... I know we're praying for the, the nation. I know we're praying for leadership. I, I know we're praying against the immorality. I know we're praying against crazy medical things and, and all, this, all this stuff we're praying for. But you know what gets God moving? Proclaiming the gospel. You know, most of everything we're praying for is so that we'll still maintain our way of life. How about we preach the gospel to save souls that are going to an eternal damnation? You know what's number one on God's heart? Saving souls that are going to hell. Nothing wrong with praying for all those other things, but number one should be the commission we've been given. Preach the gospel. Share the gospel. Amen? I'm not going to get off of that. Okay, so if this gets old to you, it's 2,000 years old. <laughs> All right, let's go on. While Peter was still saying these things, guess who comes? <laughs> I love that. There's, a, there's a, a teaching in John, and it says that when Jesus is lifted up, the Holy Spirit is released. We want to see the Holy Spirit fall like never before. We want to see the Holy Spirit move like never before. Then preach the gospel. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And that's it. He confirms the word that's preached, right? I don't think Peter knows what's going to happen. All he knows is, I have a divine appointment, I'm supposed to speak this word, and as he's speaking, he didn't call for an altar call, he didn't try to convince somebody, no, really, there is a Holy Spirit, if you would just believe, and he didn't use an argument of logic or anything else, all he did was proclaim what Jesus was, while he's proclaiming, that group of believers, because of the experience and what was leading up to it, all of them received that word, and with it, the Holy Spirit on them. Now, that's an important key here. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. You look that word up in the Greek and guess what it means? It fell on them. 
<laughs> no. There's a time where we have an experience, we accept the Lord, He moves on us, He speaks to us, but there is a time of outpouring. It is a time, despite whatever the Holy Spirit is in you, and how we have the Holy Spirit, He still comes with power. That's why we can't forsake the assembling together. Now, you can have Him fall on you at home. In your car? How many of you ever had that experience? You turn on the radio, there's a certain song, and you're right? What happens when the people get together? God wants to fall on us, pour on us if we are hungry. So the Holy Spirit fell on all of them, and Peter's like, What? Where did Peter see this before? Yeah. The believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. Those who accompanied Peter's like, wait a minute, these are Italians. Can an Italian get saved? <laughs> because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the nations. If you want to a really accurate way to read the New Testament is wherever you see the word Gentiles, replace it with nations. It'll help you understand God's plan. That even the Spirit's poured out on all nations, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. I would too. Heaven came to earth. Yes. It hasn't stopped coming to earth in over 2,000 years. If we invite him, he loves to fall like rain. He loves to pour on his people. This outpouring that God did so filled them that it filled their spirit man and quickened them to life, to be born again, because they put faith in Jesus. They're now born again. Peter wants to confirm that by water baptism. But it moves from their spirit into their soul, their intellect, their emotions, their reasoning, their will, and to the outer courts of their being to where their mouths now are extolling and praising God and the manifestation of the Spirit begins to cause them to speak in spiritual language. Tongues is an old English term for languages. Okay? So they spoke in languages or tongues that the Spirit gave them utterance. And this can be, on the day of Pentecost, it was known languages of those around them on that day. It can also mean the tongues of men and angels. It can mean the speech, inspired speech of the Holy Spirit, as 1 Corinthians 14 speaks about. That is available for every believer. As the Holy Spirit wells up within us and we release, we allow to release. He's already praying within you. Yes. Okay? According to Romans 8, 28 and 29, the Spirit intercedes in every believer with prayers of intercession. That's happening to people who believe in tongues and don't believe in tongues. The Holy Spirit's interceding with prayers. That means He's communicating. Yes. 
What we're doing as Pentecostals is we're saying if we join in that spirit prayer that's happening in me already and allow him to use my vocal cords and release that prayer into the atmosphere, it then has power not just between me and heaven, but now in the earth realm. So praying in tongues is a very powerful activity of the Holy Spirit moving. We need, as Pentecostals, to pray in the Spirit more than ever in these days to release the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to have that expectation when you come to this place. Fall, Holy Spirit. Fall on us. Fall on us. Rise up in us. Be released, but also outpour on us. These are biblical terms, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. These are things that continue to happen. They're biblical. So angel encounter to Cornelius. Divine dreams and visions to Peter. Then when he preaches the gospel, the Spirit of God falls and ministry moves and people are saved and people have an experience that seals them into a connection with God. That's the Holy Spirit. He's here now. 